If you have your Bibles today, and you would, find 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter. 1 Samuel, chapter 18, as we are going verse by verse through this book. And as you're finding 1 Samuel, chapter 18, I'd like to read a card for you this morning. Dear Ten Mile Baptist Church family, I am so very grateful for your love, prayers, and support in the past days. If you will just continue to pray for me through raising our last child to adulthood without my better half. Thank you for your generosity. And that is in Christ from Karen Kimball and uh, the passing of Paul. And so as always, I read those cards to you to remind you that what you do makes a difference. And how you love people and how you pray for people and how you care about people makes a difference. And so while I enjoy what we do here here on Sunday morning, and I think the Bible commands God's people to gather and to sing and to preach and to pray and to worship, that it's bigger than just that. And so we leave here and we love one another. Last week we started a brand new series um, titled Overcoming Personal Attacks. And If you weren't here last week, you can watch that or listen to it somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where, probably the uh, website or something of those natures. But but we started this uh, series on looking at what it looks like when you as an individual or the people that are closest to you come under personal attack, right? We watch that our nation's under attack. We know that our state is under attack. But as an individual, when someone is talking about you, Right Or someone is attacking your kids. When someone is spreading lies about you. That's when it all really gets home. And last week we looked at the sermon series titled. That God prepares his people. And that God is working in your life today. For the battles that are going to come. And if you remember last week we talked about this. Everybody is going to go through a personal attack at some point. Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's with your kids, someone at some point is going to attack you. And I'm not talking about physically this morning, but whether it's uh, emotionally, spiritually, it will happen. And so God is preparing you today for the battles that will come. And we looked at three things last week as we started this chapter. We looked about how God will bring people into your life preparing you for the battle. We looked at how God wants you to be faithful no matter the obstacles that you face. And third and finally, you cannot control how others respond. You cannot control how other people treat you. And before we move on, though, I want to remind you of this, and we'll do that every week, that everybody wants to be the David in this story, right? I'm the one that's been attacked. I'm the one that's been wrong. But all of us can be David, and all of us can be... Saul. And I really uh, uh, hate this. I'm not, I don't have a Facebook account anymore, but from time to time I do use my wife's and, uh, and especially when she's like, you need to see this or see that. And, 
And Facebook has bred this idea that if I put on Facebook that I've been wrong, that I've been hurt, that I'm the victim, I can have a platform for sharing how awful everybody is to me, but yet they leave out the story of the fact that they're a jerk, okay? And it has bred this idea that as long as I tell myself I'm the victim, as long as I tell myself I've been wrong, facts do not matter. And so today, as a Christian, you need to realize all of us can be David and all of us can be Saul. And so today we're talking about overcoming personal attacks that God is with his people. Not only does God prepare you for the battles that are going to come, God promised to be with you in the battles to come. All of us have probably had a new job or we've tried something for the first time and someone has showed us how to do it very quickly and then probably shoved you in and said, now learn on the job. Right? That's a terrible feeling when you're asked to do something and you don't know what you're doing. Especially when it's serious stuff. Right? This idea of not being prepared is scary enough, but then not being prepared and having to do it by ourselves. But God tells you He will prepare you for the attacks that are going to come and He will be with you in the middle of the storm. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to reading God's Word, I want us to back up to verse 6 so that we hear the setting of why this all happens. And so starting in verse 6, Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and saying, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? And here's the verse. So Saul eyed David from that day forward. In our text for this morning, starting in verse 10. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as the other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. Therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Pray with me. Father, today I thank you so much for all that you've done, for the wonderful time of worship and the service we had in the first hour. Lord, we thank you for Sunday school and the privilege to, to gather together. We thank you for the kids, Lord, and their song. And God, we just pray now, though, that you would work in this service, God, that you would convict the lost, that you would 
tear down the strongholds that we have built in defiance of you, God. I, I pray that you'd forgive me, God, for any sins that I have not asked for forgiveness for. Father, I pray that I would not be a hindrance or grieve the Spirit as he tries to work in this place today, Lord. And so I ask it all in Jesus' name for his glory and amen. And so this morning, taking notes, and I hope that you will, I want you to write this down. Starting in verse 10, we believe that once sin starts in the heart, don't miss this, once sin starts in the heart, then it goes to the mind and the mouth. If you look there in verse 9, it says that Saul, I, David, from that day forward. What happened was Saul became jealous. And I want to be very clear this morning. There are two ways that we get into sin. The one is sin in the moment. Right? Someone cuts you off in traffic, you say something you shouldn't, you think, think something you shouldn't, and you know immediately that you've sinned and you ask God for forgiveness. Right? You're watching something on television and something happens and there's an inappropriate thought and an inappropriate thing comes out of your mouth and you know it and you ask for forgiveness. Maybe that's how it is. It's a difficult situation at work. Someone's left you upset. You lose your temper. You say something you shouldn't. And you know right there in that moment, man, conviction happens. And you ask for forgiveness and you move on. But there's another way that we sin when we sin and we won't admit it. Right? There's something happens in our life. Right? I've been hurt. I've been wrong. Unforgiveness. Pride. And I know it's there, but I won't deal with it. Well, I know the Bible says that, but... Right? Or I know I should love my enemies, but do you know how bad they are? I know I should come to church, but do you know how bad the preaching is? Yes, I know. I've heard it. It's in those moments where we know that there is sin... Or we ignore that it's sin and we do nothing with it. And friends, in those moments, sin starts in the heart and then it goes to the mind and the mouth. Have you ever had something come out of your mouth and you say, oh, way, whoo, where did that come from? Right? And I'm not talking about a burp either, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that comes out of your mouth and you're like, boy, I didn't think I could say something like that. Or maybe you're like me. This is what happens to me. I get to talking, and then all of a sudden, ooh, shared too much. Ooh, too much. Too much information there. I should have shut that down about four and a half minutes ago. But listen to what happens here in verse 10. After he has got jealousy in his heart, it says, And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. Now, we see here that Saul has rejected God. The Spirit of the Lord has left him. And so God has sent this distressing spirit to bother him. And you say right here, he prophesied. And I just want to, for a second here, ask your uh, thinking caps to come on. We don't know exactly what he prophesied, but I'm guessing if this is a troubling spirit, Saul is full of jealousy, Saul is full of anger, that he probably wasn't doing this. David is so wonderful. God is so good to me. He is, this word for prophecy means to proclaim, but I'm guessing he was probably saying things like, who does David think he is? Right? Or I'm the king. Or these people should recognize that I'm the first king. I'm the best king. 
But we don't know. But knowing his heart at this time, and knowing what is going on in his life, most likely what was in his heart, and the Lord was dealing with him about, was what? Coming out. Listen to what the book of Matthew says in chapter 15, starting in verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the... The things that come out of the mouth proceed from the heart. And so can you imagine David full of, or Saul full of jealousy and anger and this troubling spirit from God? And he begins to speak and to proclaim. And friends, I want you to know something. The same thing will happen for you. You say, I just don't know why I said that. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I responded that way. I want you to hear this this morning. You don't have a mouth problem. You have a heart problem. You say, Jake, I'm just angry all the time. I lash out at home and I lash out at work and I, and I can't stop gossiping and I can't stop uh, tattling and I can't stop backbiting and I, and I go to school and I can't stop the things that are coming out of my mouth. And friends, I want you to know it's not a mouth problem. It starts in the heart. And what has happened is somewhere in your life, whatever it is, there's a sin in your heart that you've not given to God. You say, I wonder why I'm so bitter all the time. It just seems like everything comes out of my mouth is bitter and, and I just, I've got no joy and I've not got no kindness and I've got no compassion. Friends, because there's a sin in your life. Whether it is unforgiveness or whether it's a lack of contentment or, or whatever it is. And the evidence of your mouth that is producing is just what's here. It's right here. And so what we see here is sin that starts in the heart goes to the mind and mouth. And you say, Jake, I can be grouchy and I can be unhappy and I can be miserable and no one will ever know about it. Look up here. Everybody else knows it. If you're miserable, everyone knows it. You say, I fake it really well. Not well enough. But today I want you to know something. You, like King Saul, could get right with God. Today you could say, Jake, you don't know what's happened to me in my marriage, the ways my husband has treated me. Today you might be saying, Pastor, you don't know how terrible it is to be married to her. Today, I have no idea what you're going through. I don't have any idea what your struggle is, what your sin is. But I want you to know that if it's in your heart like it was with Saul, it is going to come out of your mouth and your mind. Think about the Pharisees that rejected Jesus. When his ministry started, right, they were thinking in their heart. And numerous times the Bible says, and Jesus knew their heart. And Jesus knew what was in their minds. It started there. Right? They rejected Him. They hated Him. They didn't like the fact that this guy could heal and they couldn't. He could teach with authority and they couldn't. The people were following Him, but not them. They were worried about what Jesus said and not what the Pharisees and the scribes said. And so it started in the heart. But then if you read farther in the Gospels, now they are starting to what? Openly argue with Jesus. They're starting to openly want to seize him, but yet they fear the people. And how many encounters does Jesus have with Pharisees whose hearts are hardened and they're trying to trick him and they're trying to ask questions of him and trying to cause him to stumble? You see, it starts in the heart, but then it leads to the mouth and the mind. And so today you might be saying, Jake, if you only knew 
how miserable my spouse was. If you only knew how bad they talked to me. If you only knew how terrible my boss was at work. If you only knew how terrible this was. I want you to know something. Today you have a choice to make. You can either ask God to forgive you and to be with you and to help you. Or you can let it consume you from the inside out. Second thing I want to show you that we learn here about God being with us. Is not only does once sin start in the heart. It goes to the mind and the mouth. After sin goes to the mind and the mouth. It leads to action. Don't miss that. The second thing is after sin goes to the mind and the mouth, it leads to action. I want to show you that here in verse 11 and verses 10 and 11. Read with me. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. And I don't want you to miss this. Now, some commentators believe that this word for cast meant to aim. So David would have picked up this, or Saul would have picked up the spear and looked at him and said, I'm going to get you with this. I'm going to throw you. I disagree with that interpretation. I believe that Saul threw the spear twice. And you say, wait a second. I'm not the smartest cookie we got here, right? I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But if someone threw a spear at me one time, I wouldn't sit around long enough for them to do what? Throw it again, right? I mean, we're all fairly educated here. We went to McLeansboro, some of us, so we're cut above the rest. But anyway, um, You know, it makes sense, right? If someone hits you in the mouth, you're not going to stand up and say, hit me again, right? It just doesn't make sense. And so there are two interpretations that I want you to think about, and I think both of them could be correct. One, David was such at peace with what God had him doing that he didn't even recognize or notice that he threw the spear. That's one interpretation. He was so busy playing the harp and focusing on what God had him doing that he didn't even know about it. And I want you to write this down. That is called peace in the middle of attacks. Peace in the middle of attacks. Or two, he saw the spear. He knew that it happened. But he had such trust in God's protection that it didn't affect him. And so I want you to think about this. Protection in the middle of the storm. And if there is nothing else that God can give me and give you in the trials of life, when storms are raging around us, when people are slandering our names, when, when people are running amok, is two things. Peace and protection. And friends, today you have to believe that. Now you can be the Saul in this story. You can be the one throwing darts at people and their reputation. You can be the one causing division and tearing a home apart. You can be the one that's jealous and angry and spiteful and sneaky. Or you can be like David, just strumming along at complete peace and strumming along with protection. You see, I want you to think about this. You see, Jesus, during his earthly ministry, God took care of him, the father, over and over again. There were times that they tried to seize him and he passed right through the midst of them. 
There were times in his ministry where there were people that hated him and angered with him, but he kept doing what? Just doing what God told him to. I heard someone say this one time. Most people are never successful in a race because they are too busy throwing stones at every dog that barks. You see, friends, you've got to know what God has asked you to do as a husband, as a wife, as a family, as a church. You have to know what God wants of you and be willing to do it regardless of the adversity that comes. You have to know, God, I know this is what you want for me as a husband to love my wife like Christ loves the church. It doesn't matter what everybody else at the water cooler, how bad they talk about their wives or how many times they don't go home because they want to go out to the tavern and, and how many times they talked about their, their gallivanting around. I'm going to love my wife like Christ loves the church. And wives, you've got to make a commitment that I'm going to love and support and, and submit to my husband because in a world like today, it's all about, well, woman, don't you know? You do what you want, right? That's all right. I'll give you a second to process that. Writer, who does he think he is and all this nonsense? And then I'm telling you what, you get a group of you together, I live with a group of you, all right? I would describe what it's like to live to seven with like, I would describe to you what it's like with living with seven women, but I can't speak of it in church. And um, no, but I know you get together. Well, my husband, I tell you what, he sure was good looking. We got married, but 75 pounds again and no hair. Or boy, he's so lazy, he gets off work and just sits at home, won't do nothing. That's how it starts. You say, oh, Jake, it starts right there. And then that breeds discontentment. Then it brings dissatisfaction. Then it brings discord. Right? And then it brings this idea that, well, if this is the way it's going to be, and that you've got to say, God, I'm going to be the wife that you want me to be. I'm going to keep praying for my husband, even if he's not saved. I'm going to keep loving Jesus, even if he's not the spiritual leader of our home. I'm going to keep doing what God has asked me to do because I trust that God is in control. But listen here to say, I want to show you this about how important your mind is today. In Romans, the eighth chapter, starting in verse six, it says, for to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the flesh or carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I want you to think about this just for a moment to, as we quickly move on. The moment that God's Word and the Spirit of God tell you something, and you say, I know that is what it says, but you have displeased God. You say, but I didn't act on it. I was just thinking it. And as a man thinketh, so he goes. And so, friends, when there's sin in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth and it's going to affect your actions. If there is godliness and the Word of God and the Spirit of God and leading and guiding your life, that is what's going to be in your heart. That's what's going to come out of your mouth and that's what's going to lead your actions. Third and final thing I want to show you this morning. You're like, man, Jake, this is kind of depressing this morning and this is kind of... Difficult, this is the best part. Once sin starts in your heart, 
It leads to your mouth and your mind. Once sin makes it to your mouth and your mind, it leads to action. But don't miss this. God's presence in your life changes everything. And I want you to see there's one word up there all capitalized. I didn't do that because I have fat fingers. It's because it is true. God's presence in your life changes everything. As a husband, God's presence in my life can have benefits for my wife and children. As a church, there are some of you who are godly, spiritual people. And your influence affects and blesses other people. But when personal attacks come, and the storms of life rage, the presence of someone else in your family is not enough. When the doctor says it's cancer, when the lawyer says it's over, then that moment, someone else's presence of God is not enough. You need to know Him. He needs to be the one that is walking with you and talking with you. He's the one that you've been praying to and studying about and learning to love and to cherish more and more often because God's presence in your life changes everything. And I want to show you that here in these verses. Now Saul was afraid of David because who was with him? The Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. You see, Saul had lost the Spirit of God. David had the Spirit of God. You say, wait a second, preacher. I thought once you got saved, you were always saved. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon somebody for a specific task or blessing, and then God could take that Spirit away from them. And so all of the wisdom that Saul needed to be king all the power and endurance that he needed to be who God wanted him to be was gone. And he was operating on his own strength and his own power and his own ability and his own knowledge. And what he sees is, here's David. He is blessed in everything that he touches. He's blessed on the battlefield. He's blessed with protection. And look what it goes on to say in verse 13. At this moment, Saul could have done two things. Saul could have got along with God and said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for my sins. And I believe God would have forgiven him. Or God could have worked in his life. I believe David was going to be king no matter what. But I still believe you can be blessed even if you're not where God wanted you to be originally. I believe that God can still bless you in the mess. Or two, he could not deal with his sin. He could ignore it. And so listen to how Saul responds in verse 13. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him captor over thousands. And he went out and came in before the people. You see, David's being blessed by God, being used by God. And Saul's answer is, get him away from me. And friends, you can avoid people. (laughs) You can avoid church. You can avoid that person that's praying for you. You can act like your sin doesn't matter. You can ignore what God is trying to do in your life. But look up here. God says you can either willfully come and experience life and blessings or you can ignore and reject it. And that's what Saul chose to do here. But listen, David continued to do what God wanted him to do in verse 14. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. 
Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. I want you to stop there. Why was Saul afraid of David? It doesn't say that he was afraid of God. It doesn't say that he was afraid of God's presence. He was afraid of David. And this is why. And I want to leave you with this. When God is at work in your life, your life will look so radically different than a life of someone who does not have the Lord that it will be noticeable. I do a lot of funerals. It's my privilege to do funerals. It's my privilege to be with families. But I cannot tell you the amount of times that someone has come to me and said, would you please talk about my father being a good dad? And then I'll ask, was he a good dad? Well, no. Or how many times someone has said, he was a good husband? And I'll say, was he really a good husband? Well, no. I'll say, was he a good grandfather? Well, no. Was he a good Christian? Was there any fruit, any evidence at all? Well, no. Well, did he attend church anywhere? Was there ever a time when you talked about the Lord or salvation with him? Well, no. And I can tell you this. So many people want a pastor to preach their loved ones into heaven. But friends, I want you to know this. If you are saved and the Spirit of God lives within you, other people notice. Parents, your children know whether or not you come here on Sunday for the right reasons or not. Husbands, your wives know whether or not you love Jesus or not. Wives, your husbands know whether or not you love Jesus. You say, no, preacher, I'm the world's best faker. That might be true. But friends, David's life was so blessed by God and he was living for God in such a way that Saul realized something. And I want you to realize this this morning. Do you know why it bothers us? Have you ever seen someone at work get treated terribly? Right? The boss missed him for a promotion, chewed him out in front of everybody, and that person just stood there and took it and didn't, didn't get upset and didn't scream and didn't yell. And as the boss walked off, you say something like this. Well, I tell you, if that had been me, I'd have really told him what I was thinking. And that person say, well, you know, I don't want to lose my quit Christian witness. And in that moment, you're like this. Right? Or someone hurts you or wrongs you and you get up on your high horse. And, well, let me tell you how they really are and what I really think about them. And this is who they really are. And blah, 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 blah. And you get vomit of the mouth, right? And as that person finishes listening to you talk and they say something like, you got a lot of bent up emotion there, don't you? In that moment, everything in you goes. Because you know, right? And I want you to hear this this morning. In those moments when Christ shines through other people. It is easy for us to ignore it. Or to say, oh, they're holier than thou. But what is really the truth is this. We're afraid because we know that if the same spirit that lives within them lives within us, there is nothing keeping us from living 
like God wants us to. And so it's a moment of truth. But listen here. We see that David was protected, that David was blessed, that God was with him, that the people loved him. And Psalm 1611 describes it like this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, friends, you and I think that we enjoy life before we're saved. But there is something about having the spirit of the Lord in you. That is unexplainable. There is something about having the joy of salvation. That is unexplainable. To people that don't know God. There is peace that passes all understanding. That is impossible to explain to other people. And what we see here in this text is. You've got one of two choices this morning. Whatever the struggle is that you came here with today. Whatever the baggage that you're carrying. Whatever the unforgiveness that you're dealing with. Today you have one of two choices. You can be like Saul and you can let that jealousy stay in you. That sin that no one else knows about stay in you. And you can probably fake it for years and people will think you're wonderful. But friends, it starts here. And it will begin to rot everything that you are. And eventually that bitterness and that jealousy and that sin that's in your heart will begin to start coming out of your mouth. You'll be saying things and and talking about things and and thinking things that you never thought you would. And friends, but it won't stop that. It won't just stop at how you think and how you speak. Then it becomes your actions. You thought, boy, I never would have done that to somebody. Man, I never would have been like that. What's happened to me? And if you've ever said to yourself that, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have got on the scale recently and said, what happened to me? And that's bad enough, don't get me wrong. But friends, when you wake up one day and you realize, I have no joy. When you wake up one day and you say, I have no relationship with God on a daily basis at all. When you wake up one day and say, my marriage and my life is miserable. Friends, I want you to know it didn't start that day. It started way back in there. When whatever it was happened, you wouldn't let go of. That can be where you're at today. Or you can be like David. You can just keep trusting God. When you fall into sin, ask for forgiveness. And watch God bless and work and move in the middle of your storm. Choice is yours today. You say, Jake, I don't think I get this. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was lied about. Jesus was whipped. Jesus was spit upon. Jesus had a crown of thorn put on his head. And guess how much he complained about it? This much. Because why? He knew the plans that the Father had. That he was going to die on a cross. For your sin and for mine. But he knew he wasn't going to stay dead. And three days later, by the power of God, he arose. You see, Jesus went through all of that. So that you could be saved. That I could be saved. You say, Jake, God doesn't want to use me to save the entire human race. You're exactly right. But God might want you to be the example for that child that's watching you at home. God might want you to 
to be the one that reaches that coworker that you work with. And every time you get bitter and every time you get jealous and every time you get angry and every time you let that sleep into your heart, it changes who you are. Sin always leads to death. Or today you can come and say, God, I have sinned. Lord, I have become the grouchy old man that I always dreamed I wouldn't be. Lord, you, you know that I've become sour and disgruntled about everything. Lord, you know that I've got unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. Lord, there's sin in my life that no one else even knows about. And today God promised that he'd forgive you from all of your sin today. But friends, I also want you to know that God will leave you the other way if you want. You say, Jake, I come and sit through your sermons every week and suffer. That's not enough to get me to heaven. I don't know what is. It's not. Today you say, Jake, our marriage is in shambles and we smile when we sit here together and it's all good. Look up here. You can smile for a while. You can fake it for a while. But eventually, it's going to overflow. You know how I know that? I've told you here recently, it's been a hard year for my wife and I in our marriage. It's been a hard year. I blame the kids and everyone else blames me. But you know whose fault it is? Both of ours. You know whose fault it is when we go to bed angry? Both of ours. You know whose fault it is when we get short and angry and grouchy? Both of ours. You know how many times we've ever screamed and yelled at each other in the lobby so far in 10 years that I've been here? Zero times. We do real well when we're here. Next month will be 10 years since you hired me. Some of you think it's been a wonderful 10 years. Some think it's been the worst 10 years of your life. I don't care where you fall on that spectrum. You know how many times my wife and I have screamed and yelled at each other in the nursery? Zero. You know how, times, you know how many times we fought in the car on the way to church? Zero, but we don't ride together. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Ever. We can fake it for a while. We can fake it. You know how many times we've argued at home? More than I care to admit. You know how many times I've went to bed thinking, Lord, if you don't change that woman, I don't know what's going to happen. It's true. Oh yeah, we can fake it. But we have to have hard conversations about, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. She even has to say she's sorry from time to time. Because why? We're sinners. And we become selfish and we become arrogant and we become prideful and we become focused on us. And oh yeah, I could stand up here every week and wear my suit and tie and talk to you about, oh, it's all wonderful at our house. Nothing but God's blessings of children and finances and wealth. And oh, I'm just so wonderful to live with. I could do that week after week after week. I could tell you, oh, we never have trouble in the community. We never have trouble with our kids. We are just wonderful. I hope you realize how blessed you were when you got us. I could do that. But friends, eventually the cracks start to show. Eventually the problems start to come out. And today you might think that you have everyone fooled. But you don't have God fooled. And today you might have foundation damage. But God can repair the foundation. If you'll let him. Today he can change everything. Whether it's you being saved. 
whether it's your marriage being restored, whether it's the prodigal coming home, but today you've got to come His way. And that's here I am, Lord, just a sinner in need of grace. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank You so very, very much for Your Word. And Lord, I just tried to preach what was there. Lord, not any more, not any less. And so, Lord, I'm trusting right now that you would do the results. God, that you would do the convicting. Lord, that you would do the healing and the restoring today. Lord, I cannot do any of those things. Just present your word. And so, Lord, I'm thankful that you love us so much that you died for us. Lord, I'm thankful that you keep us saved after we stumble and struggle. But today, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be in this place. That everyone in here, Lord, knows that they know you as their Lord and Savior. Today, if there's here anybody that's struggling with doubts or confusion, Lord, that today they know that we've all been there. We've all doubted. We've all struggled. But Lord, that you understand and welcome us to come to you. Father, I pray for that person that's in this place today that doesn't think they need you. They don't need you for salvation. Don't need you for hope. Don't need you for anything. That today you'd humble them. Father, I pray for that person that's in here that thinks they're too bad. Lord, there's nothing good in them and that you could never love them. But today, God, you'd show them that you love them. Today, I pray for this church, Lord, and each family represented, that you'd remind them that you know everything about them. The good, the bad, the ugly, and that you love them. And you're willing to answer their prayers and work in their lives to make them who you want them to be. And so, Lord, we're going to give you all the praise and all the honor. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.